0: Hi guys, welcome to Farmer Fridays where I get to interview agriculturists all over the state of West Virginia and now different parts of the nation. My name is Elizabeth Lynch and I'm your Miss West Virginia 2022. I'm really excited about today's podcast and in today's interview, I met at this association at the West Virginia Capitol Building. So pretty excited to have you guys on and have you uh, tell your story. So let me introduce Melinda McDermott, who is a part of the West Virginia Game Fowl Breeders Association right here in the state of West Virginia. <laughs> How are you today? I am doing absolutely fine. And you have a, a title. You're Are you the president of the association? I am actually the president of it. <laughs> I thought so. I thought so. But I didn't want to introduce that and be like, oh, that's wrong. (laughs) So that's awesome. I'm glad to have you on. Thank you so much for joining me and, you know, agreeing to tell your story. So while we're on that storytelling aspect, uh, go ahead and give me a little bit about yourself and maybe some of your agricultural background.
1: Well, as far as myself, um, I'm actually a hairdresser by trade, so you're speaking to me while I'm at my beauty shop in between customers. (laughs) Um, (laughs) As far as agriculture, I can tell you I've been involved with 4-H, and I've had my own farm when I was growing up for years, so we've raised everything except for llamas, and uh, there was one other animal one of my customers kind of shocked me with uh, that I, I had not had on my farm. And as far as um, the chickens and stuff of that sort, I always tease everybody. And this has been my story. And it's probably getting old by now is the fact that poultry wasn't even like my favorite animal, um, chickens and whatnot. It was always bears and horses. <laughs> <laughs> but I have found myself for the last almost 10 years being the voice for the American fowl
0: Now, how did and that lead up happen?
1: Honestly, it started with my love for the children. Because I got involved with, um, well, my husband and I actually had game fowl. We raised them just for pure hobby, thought the birds were beautiful. And then my little girl enjoyed them. Then we got introduced to poultry shows. Um, The West Virginia Game Breeders Association, before I had came on, had already started doing poultry shows years ago to introduce our birds in a different light to, like, West Virginia people. And when we went to the shows, I seen how my daughter took to them. So it was kind of enthusiastic to see her be a part of something that my husband actually enjoyed raising. So we got to where we started showing the poultry shows. And the next thing, you know, the um, Anthony Seville of the American Game File Standards, he asked me, he said, why don't y'all get her involved in helping with the poultry shows? So I become involved because they were starting to slender down to very few birds showing up, very few people showing up. And then I came on board with my daughter and my husband, and we brought back the family scene with the poultry shows. So in Showing the Birds, um, our first show that I was a part of, Help Organizing, we had gained from four birds from the previous year up to 46 birds the next year. And then it has continually grown. I said... I think at one time we could have had over 100 birds because we had people from other states coming. But West Virginia laws, you know, you have to have the 14 day Mm -hmm. NPIP test to enter into our state. So um, I think we've had 90 some birds at most at our shows, which has been very awesome for big show. Um, And it's just been an enjoyment to get to help educate other people. Because a lot of people, when you say game file, they automatically assume the wrong ideas that the media has put out there. And our goal is mainly to preserve this breed so that people can continue to raise them for future generations.
0: Yeah. So um, while you're on that topic, let's go ahead and talk about the mission of the Game Fowl Breeders Association. You mentioned that it's all about the sustainability for uh, these different breeds in the poultry industry. But what else is there? What else is involved?
1: Honestly, for decades, the Game Fowl has gotten a bad rap Mm -hmm. through social media before social media was popular. Even with the newspapers and TV and different um, animal activist rights, which I know that you're well aware of how anybody in agricultural fights, animal activists and so forth. Um, But mainly just trying to get people to understand that not everybody that has game are these criminals and felons and people that do illegal activities a lot of us are just hobbyists that enjoy the birds and want to keep them alive for future (laughs) generations and to keep the um, actual breeds of the birds to continue because there is a variety of different main bloodlines that need to stay in force and it's just like anything when cows or horses or dogs you kind of got to keep the breeds going or they're gone right and then if you let somebody else take control of it then eventually you're not going to have that breed no more. He'll become
0: extinct. So keeping the positive stereotype for this alive and reducing any sort of negative stereotypes out there. And that's super unfortunate that that's happening because you're a prime example of somebody who takes very good good care of their animals and just wants to make sure that their breed is shown off. What kind of breeds do you guys typically have in the Gamefowl Breeders Association? Can you make a list?
1: Oh, gosh, there is <laughs> many, many
0: different breeds,
1: but I, I will tell you, um, they're, when they do poultry shows, they usually put them in the categories. I know we show a lot in the APAs. If you get to look in an APA Poultry American Poultry Association show, there is various, various, various breeds. I mean, the book is so thick that I can't even begin to quote them all. Um, and then when you get to the American poultry, they're considered like a jungle fowl which was introduced into America, which has been very intriguing because now when we do the poultry shows, we kind of put them into different categories where there's like brown light legs, brown dark legs. And basically what that is, is like um, you go into leapers, there's grays, there's Thompson whites, kelsos, abanys, clarets. There's there's so many different breeds. I would love for anybody to come and watch one of our poultry shows just so they could get an idea. It's a first come, first serve, and see you with your own eyes.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think the best thing that anybody can do is if they're interested in this topic is go and experience it. Um, are, You guys have any shows coming up that people could actually come and watch or come and join?
1: Well, here in West Virginia, we actually do. We have um the Easter Egg Hunt, which we do at Coonskin Park. We've gotten permission for the last, I think, six years or so from the county commission to do an Easter egg hunt for the kids at Coonskin Park here in Charleston. Um, It's not like our traditional big show, but some of our families do bring some of their birds for people to see and get an idea of. And I can go in and explain to them what the birds are and how they are raised and the care that is provided for them. And usually our state agricultural veterinarian, he's on call or she is on call. They test our birds before they're like sat down on the ground um, Mm -hmm. and they're there to verify that we have been working with biosecurity measures and keeping our farms and our birds safe and not passing any diseases. Um, On top of that, we have uh, the APA show. It's the night before, which is honestly, there's no APA group here in West Virginia. So we go to Marietta, Ohio. They introduce us there with the Game Fowl, so we show along with the American Game File or American Poultry Association. And then, the very next day, this is going to be one crazy month for West Virginia Game Breeders <laughs> Association. <laughs> because all in one weekend, we've got the APA show in Marietta on Sunday, or no, sorry, Saturday, March the 26th. And that that opens doors like at 7, registration, to get their birds registered in. Um, about 9 30 the judging starts the judge goes through and judges the birds and if you're not familiar with the judging they judge them from their head to their feet just by standards there is a actual standards book of what mm-hmm. each bird is supposed to meet then we go to Sunday after that which is Sunday March the 26th And that's when our Easter family fun day is. We invite everybody to just come out, bring a covered dish, and have a fun-filled day with the family and see some birds. Then April the 1st at Ripley Jackson Fairgrounds is our big annual show that we have every year. It's in the show arena down there. And um, everybody from all across the
0: state brings different birds. That's awesome. What a great opportunity, not just for um, the the breeders in West Virginia or the poultry industry in West Virginia, but also for people who might not understand. It's a great educational opportunity as well. And I did want to ask, are there any other educational opportunities that you guys provide through the association that can be accessed, uh, whether that's through Facebook or a website? Is there any other educational things that you guys provide? We do not have a website or anything of
1: that okay. sort. Um, we do have a, a public Facebook page, and then we have one that is for our members that we keep members updated on what is coming up and encouraging them to participate in. And then the public page lets the public know where we're at, what we're doing, and update you on what else coming. You, you know, and in any association, you've got your members and you've got your public. Mm-hmm. So we'd like to keep everybody informed as much as possible. Um and as far as education, we've been invited. We do like the Mercer County Fair. We've Last year was a great opportunity to where the Mercer County chairman or son of the fair invited us to bring our birds and show at the Mercer County Fair. And we, we got to introduce our birds to several senators and they were impressed as well as Dale Worley was there singing and got to see our birds. So it was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, that's a great opportunity.
1: And, and in this past uh, Christmas, we was with the, I think it was Logan County chapter of Children's Home Society. We, we took gifts and stuff with the kids and um, they'd invited us to their camp, which unfortunately we will be at the Mercer County Fair the day their camp is because they wanted us to bring the birds and show. So we're supposed to work out something with them to be able to get the birds introduced to their kids.
0: Wow. That's amazing. Great education there. I, I love that. Um, I love any group that's willing to make that effort to work on educating consumers and the average American about what their association stands for and what they're trying to accomplish. Um, and I've also noticed that you guys are very active in uh, West Virginia government. Why is that?
1: Mainly because all of the government affects all of our lives. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean Ever since I've become president of this association, when I first become president, I had no clue how much involvement in legislation there was. To be honest, I was kind of like most average Americans who just like, oh, whatever will be, will be. And then it's like once you get involved and you start seeing how much different laws are passed and how bills become laws and how much it affects your everyday
0: livelihood, I just wanted to ask what legislation is out there in the state of West Virginia that will affect um, what you do through the association? I,
1: I'm always on guard watching the personal private property rights, um, That anything to deal with animals, because it, everything, is like anymore you have to watch what affects the livelihood and the well-being of your animals mm-hmm. based on the opinion of others. And we've all, we've all been dealing with it, and I hate to say it, but Gamefowl has taken a very hard crush toll on that because of the bad influence of social media and all the negativity that's been enforced on these poor birds. And it's like every day that I struggle because I'm like, I'm ready to just stop and not work for this no more. Then I'll hear the rooster crow, and I'm like, somebody's got to be the voice for that rooster because this rooster... Need somebody to be out there speaking for it. Because since I've been a president, I've noticed that everything on this God's green earth has a voice. You know, we want to be able to keep our property rights safe So, in legislation. Anything that comes about with property rights, um, privacy, ownership,
0: that's where I'm at. Yeah, and that's frustrating sometimes. But the only way that things will change is if people use their voice. And that's exactly what you guys are doing. And I love that. I love that we're, so much. You know, we're doing
1: the best we can. I mean, it's yeah. hard. <laughs> you being raised in agricultural, you yourself, you understand the American farmer for the most part. Farmers aren't very aware of what takes place within the um, legislation part of it. Because we've all we've all just raised our animals and done our thing. But now it's like we're getting down to the crunch wire where things are starting to invade into our home territories and taken away our rights. So we have to defend our rights to help protect our families
0: and our, our pets or birds and cows and you name it. Yeah. And I think as an agriculturist, you have to wear many hats. And yes. one of those hats is, you know, kind of being a lobbyist for yourself and what you do. <laughs> and I really think that's why, you know, it's so important that you get involved with associations like yours and you get involved with the American Farm Bureau in our case, the West Virginia Farm Bureau, but that's a great way to utilize your voice, to make those changes, to make sure that you're able to keep your business and you're able to sustain that business. And you're able to have your backyard poultry and make sure that they're well taken care of as well. Exactly.
1: And I, I know um, it all goes hand in hand. Some, Some have different beliefs than others and it's all good. Everybody's doing their thing. And as long as you're doing your thing and, you know, be, be who you are, do what you have to do, but in the end result is
0: protecting what's yours. Yeah, I get that 100%. And I did want to ask, so kind of switching gears just a little bit, I wanted to talk about you as a backyard poultry person. You have these birds, all right. And the biggest threat to your birds right now avian influenza. What are you guys doing through the association to make sure that avian Uh, influenza is staying out of West Virginia and you guys are increasing your biosecurity measures?
1: On that note, I'm glad you mentioned it. We were um, talking to our state vets, they've been keeping us up to date on it, Um, Dr. Maxwell and Erica from up in Moorfield. They keep us up to date on what's going on, and I know so far West Virginia has been very blessed in not having no avian influenza issues. And as far as the avian influenza, our state with our birds, like I said, we have the state agriculture who anytime we need them at a presentation or a show, they're always testing our birds at any event that we go to to keep up. Um, We all practice the biosecurity measures on our on our farms, making sure our birds are clean. You got to make sure the grounds are safe, the water's safe. And, you know, there's a lot to it, more than people realize. Because I know where I do hair and the price of eggs right now, everybody's like, I'm going to get some chickens. I'm like, it's not that easy. Right. There is a lot to it. And speaking on the avian influenza, I know um, we would love to have a backyard study done on backyard flocks here in West Virginia. And I know um, Mr. Perdue had talked to you at the Capitol where he was wanting to possibly seek about getting a grant to do a research study with West Virginia University or something. So hopefully we can link into some grants that uh, can help with that study to help all backyard farmers
0: that have chickens of any sort, no matter what breed they are. I love that. And I love that you guys are staying active to make sure that your birds are staying healthy and you're uh, reducing the risk of disease across your farms. And something that I did want to mention for those who are listening at home, um, just so that you know, the West Virginia Department of Ag, they do testing for avian influenza and pylorium typhoid, and that is free. That testing is free and it's a free service offered through the Department of Ag. So make sure you're taking that and you're using it as much as you possibly can just to make sure that you're trying to reduce um, the risk of avian influenza in your area and with your backyard birds. Um, and then biosecurity measures. I love that you talked about that. I love that you guys are active with that. Um, so people at home, make sure that you are uh, using only one pair of boots for your to work your flock, to work your birds, make sure that everything's staying clean. Um, you're reducing any sort of outside um, environmental factors such as More people visiting your farms than what you should. So make sure it's just you and your family. Um, Make sure that you are uh, reducing any sort of environmental factors in the sense that you're trying to reduce any sort of migratory bird interaction. Um, So try to look up more biosecurity measures if that's something that you're interested in or something that you're really concerned about, but reducing avian influenza in the state of West Virginia is huge right now, um, and we don't have any cases of that. So that's super exciting, whereas every state around us has avian <laughs> influenza. So we're doing a great job here in the state, and I love talking about that. Um, so thank you so much for touching on that subject.
1: You're welcome, because it, it it is a crucial thing. I mean, if you got sick birds, then you're not going to be able to show them. You're not going to be able to have them. So, you
0: know, that's part of the preserving the breed. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. Um. And so I did want to go into there. I feel like, unfortunately, like you said, there's a lot of negative stereotypes out there. Can you take a minute to break down those stereotypes even further and talk about the positives about owning gamefowl? Now, when you're saying the negative stereotypes, um, what stereotypes are you to object? So you mentioned um, the social media aspect of things, um, what people are putting out there. I wanted you to go into that just a little bit, if you could talk about if you felt comfortable talking about that. Well, for one, the stereotypes that are out there, I will make
1: plain and clear. We do not represent. Mm -hmm. We do not support. However, there are a lot of stereotypes out there that says anybody who owns game file, the roosters or the hens, they're mainly fighting them or they're fighting birds. There's been a lot of crazy accusations, and I can honestly say for myself and most of the people in my association, I've not seen anything of the sort in any of it. Um, those are the stereotypes we want to change because of the fact that every time I go to the Capitol and I'm talking to a senator or a delegate or even like when I introduced myself to you and when we set the table up at the Capitol where we met people, it was like, in general, people came to us and they was like, oh, Gamefowl peasants and this and that. And I was like, no, we represent the Gamefowl fowl rooster and the hens. And they're sitting there going, oh, those fighting birds. No, <laughs> it oh is gosh. in their nature. <laughs> it is in their nature. given that it is in their nature, but that's in every animal on this God's green planet. And that's kind of the way these roosters are. They have a dominance about them and they are definitely different than many other backyard flocks. And there is a lot of special care that needs to be given in them for the simple fact they can't cohibit with other roosters. And it's like, some will disagree with me on this because they're like, Oh, I can take it and turn it and I can change it. You can, if it's the only rooster on the yard. And, Even in the normal backyard flocks, you'll notice that a lot of people don't keep many roosters. They'll keep hens, but not a lot of roosters because of the dominating factor. Mm -hmm. And that's the same way with the American game file. Um, Just for instance, I'll touch a little base. I had a guy in Clay County, sorry, Nicholas County, who got his birds taken away from him on suspicion because their, their combs were trimmed. Because the American game file, they comb, they trim the combs because it's part of the standards that is doing in the judging. Um, they will trim the spurs so that the judges don't get hit and hurt by the spurs of the roosters. And then when you actually come to a show and follow the standards book, you'll understand a little bit more about it or how the judges do. It's just like in a dog show when they clip the Doberman's tail or so forth, you know. I know everybody's like got their different opinions on what's what. And that's, that's a touchy basis. Um, but when you got the American game file, like I said, you trim the combs, you trim the spurs, their health is immaculate because of the care that is given to them. When you could go to free range a normal chicken, normally you just let it run loose on the yard, which we can, our hands and our roosters. We can up until I, I go from like babies to teenagers, this is my philosophy. It's not everybody's. There's proper terminology to it, but I'm, I'm just Melinda. I'm me. <laughs> but you got the little babies. And when you see the babies raised, the babies will automatically, in the nest that they are raised with, they'll pick one of the little ones that looks different. Just like kids will bully a child. And they'll start bullying that little baby. And then as they grow into little adolescence and keep growing, they become more dominating, then they, I call it getting to the dating age. They want to get with a the hen. Mm-hmm. They're starting to build this dominance factor and they're not under sure, you know, unsure what's going on. They're searching the yard for the hens that will be attracted to them. So they want to show they're masculine and they'll flap their wings mm-hmm. and whatnot and attack the other roosters. So at this point, when you start hearing that rooster crow, you have to pin that rooster up. So that it don't get into a fight, because that's the difference in these American game fowl. They will fight to the death of another bird. And that's part of the jungle fowl in them. That's the difference in the game fowl. And the whole stereotype is they're like the black sheep of the chicken world. <laughs> they're the black bird of
0: the chicken world because everybody wants to condemn them. And that's, that's unfortunate. It's I mean, very unfortunate. And one of the things that you guys are trying to do is make sure that the history is preserved, that that breed itself is preserved, and that these animals are very well taken care of. And at the end of the day, you're keeping them safe and that's right. huge. So separating them out, that's a normal thing for any animal if it's becoming uh, aggressive at all. So you're just separating them to make sure that they can live a happy, healthy life, uh, life without hurting any other animal or hurting uh, another human. And I think that people forget or tend to forget that game fowl are just like any other animal and you treat them just like any other animal in the sense that you want to make sure that they are protected. You want to make sure that they're happy and healthy. And unfortunately, there is that negative stereotype around them, but you guys are, working very hard to change that. And as you're talking, I really start to think about my pit bulls. There's that <laughs> unfortunate negative stereotype around them, um, that they're aggressive all the time or, um, that they have this, this inherent need to always fight. And that's not always the case, you know, yeah. and we protect them. We protect the breed, we protect their beauty and their heart, just like you are talking about, um, and we try to make sure that we can bring out the positive all the time. And that's exactly what you're doing. And I couldn't love that more. Yes, yeah, so exactly. And that's another issue. We always get tagged
1: into the comments with when it comes to animal cruelty, we always get tagged in with dog fighting and et cetera. And it's like dog fighting is totally different than any of the other aspects of the negativity surrounding the American gang fowl because dogs are ten. Tend to be trained to fight. Where these birds, it's in their nature. And if you have watched them raise from the little little eggs all the way up to the full size cock, it's understandable. And that's a lot of what you have to um, introduce, even with like you said, the pit bulls and stuff. Not every pit bull is a bad
0: pit bull just because it's a pit bull. Speaking and of dogs, I don't know if you can hear mine in the background, I but I heard one bark. <laughs> And that's the same way with the gamefowl world. At least you guys are there to help, um, work help people work through that and figure out you know the positives behind all of this, um, and then you're there to help different poultry or people in the poultry industry um, work through the issues that they they're facing every single day from the general public.
1: Oh yeah, we even deal with city ordinance laws and stuff. I know South Charleston is already dealing with one because they got some people down there, and I actually went and sat in on the city council meetings with some of the people from South Charleston who just want to have six hens in their backyard. Um, There's some guys that want to have some bees. They want to raise some honey, and it's unfortunate how many cities and how many counties are not equipped for just agricultural in general, not just green velvet in general. It's like there's so much of a bigger picture and agricultural, like you said, has many roads to different types of jobs and works out
0: there. I just happen to be one who represents the game. Style. Well, thank you for doing that. And thank you for what you do. We've got a little less than two minutes. And I wanted to see if there's anything else that you wanted to quickly add.
1: Oh, wow. Two minutes and add. <laughs> well, first, I would just like to thank you for the opportunity that you have given me to- speak on behalf of the Game File and the West Virginia Game Readers Association. And I would highly recommend anybody who has any negativity in their heads up here to come out firsthand and see us on March the 25th if you're in Marietta or March the 26th here at Coonskin in Charleston or um, April the 1st in um, Ripley. That's the first things coming up for us. Well, perfect. I would, I'd be glad to sit and talk with you about the chicken. I know my beauty shop
0: sure hears enough talk on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe I should also swing by. You can help me with my hair because I always struggle with that too. Um, but thank you so much for taking the an time. honor. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I appreciate and, it. Thank you. And thank you very much for taking the time to speak with me today and be a part of this podcast. I appreciate you sharing your story. It does mean a lot. Well, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity and my first experience of the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, thank you so much for listening today and be sure to tune in next week to see who else I have on my Farmer Friday podcast. And as always, please remember to thank your farmers.